Dr. Z, I think a lot of people get all worried when they hear the name hustler, like it's a bad thing. Yeah. I think in business, to be successful, you've got to have a hustle. That's why I love Boston so much. That's why I love New York, because you bring that Boston energy into Tulsa, Oklahoma. If you bring that hustle that you have to have to survive in New York into Tulsa, Z, and you bring these skills of how to influence and communicate with people, you will make millions. Yeah, and that's absolutely true. And so I think hustle is a is a great term. I don't think it's a negative term at all. And and if it is negative, we're gonna re, we're gonna reclaim it and make it positive. Take oh, it, it with the word it. bad. I mean, Take bad now is even wicked. You know, that's wicked good. You wicked, know, so we're drill. gonna get the hustle on the good side if it's not. So I I, I agree. <laughs> I think that every entrepreneur has to have some in inward in their in their being that little. You know, think of hustle. That fire of desire. That fire of desire that says, you know what, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to do what it, what I need to do. I'm going to get it done no matter what. And and that hustle is, um, I think that's the difference between winning and losing sometimes, right? Now, Thrive, Thrive Nation, if you're listening to the show today and you feel like you struggle to influence and communicate with people, then you're not alone. There's all sorts of research and studies that shows that a lot of people feel like sales, communication, leading an office meeting, uh, managing a team, it's just stressful for them, learning these skills. And so we're teaching you how to, how to really flow, how to, how to be an effective communicator, the combination for an uplifting conversation. Now, you want to find the needs with ease. You want to find the gap between where they are and where they want to be and how you can help them. So see, at your auto auction, let's say that I'm a sales guy working for your auto auction, and you haven't invented the phrase auto auction. You're not the first auto auction in the world. Um, <laughs> you obviously have invested the time and money and resources into planning it, so it is one of the best auto auctions out there. Come on. But you want to get the business. Right. So walk me through. How do you? What, what kind of training do you provide to your salespeople, and how do you teach them? Or how, does your, how does Monty teach them how to uh, find the needs of, 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 of the potential buyer uh, in an honest, sincere way, how do, how do you do that? How do you find the needs of your ideal and likely buyers? Well, first of all, we teach all of our guys to build rapport. And that's exactly what today's show is about. Right. And we're giving you all the secret moves, all the little formulas, and all the little things you do to build that rapport. Because once you then have rapport, what happens is the guard wall goes down. Guard wall down. People ease up a little bit. Lower the gate. They're happy Lower to see the you. Gate. You're bringing in a box of donuts. They're happy to see you. You know, uh, everybody everybody has everybody put likes the little food. Put the flaming arrows down. Rumor has it people need food. Put the crocodiles on leashes. <laughs> Raise lower the drawbridge. Bring in the cupcakes. And don't release the crocodiles yet. Give me those donuts. Yes, and then thank we'll... you. Thank you. So what happens is the first time you go in, people are guarded. They know you want something from them. They they run from you around the dealership. They're, they're maybe hard to get a hold of and you just have to be persistent. And pretty soon, your persistency pays off. You're there every day. It's uh, kind I need of... my squire to uh, open my helmet so they can feed me a donut, please. It's okay. kind of like my buddy who wrote a love letter. That's back when we wrote love letters. You, Chef, you probably don't know what a letter is, but it's, you yeah. actually wrote it on paper. Squire! With a pen to this phone or a thing. pencil, and you right. mailed it. Write my pen in the finest parchment in the land and write, write something down. Write something nice. 
he would write. He would write. He lived long distance from his girlfriend. He'd write her a love letter every day. Okay. And you know, and and then his girlfriend ended up marrying the the post office the post office guy because he was at the house every day <laughs> every delivering day, it. Yeah. He was there. So step one, you've got to be there. And then while you're there, you got to be positive and be purposeful in building that rapport. And when you find out, you've got to find. You got to ask questions. You got to listen. Find out what their needs are, what they like, what what maybe someone really like, is into country music. Well, guess what? We have a suite at the BOK, and Jason Aldean's playing, or George Strait's playing. And, and because Dr. Couple, Z has old photos of him rocking a mullet, it's very easy to build that rapport. The guys pull easy. it out and say, guys, listen, our founder used to rock a seven-inch long mullet. I mean, yeah, this guy perm, had... a perm mullet. He's so it's probably longer than that. It's straightened. It's probably longer. And then the lightning bolts you had on the side with the yeah. when the boss was yeah, a big deal. Oh, yeah, yeah. It really sells Ooh. it. And then when they show you the Z belt you wear... Yeah. Z, it's, it's, by the way, do you have a belt with a Z on it? No, I don't. Really? I, I need one. You I do need one. You're I, such I, an accustomed. That's ridiculous. I know. It's, I'm, I'm offended. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but what you do is they build a rapport. And then what happens is once they build that rapport, just to go in and say, hey, man, you should be using our auction because if you don't, you're stupid. I'll tell you, you what, know, man. You, that, does you, not, that doesn't go very well. Hey, how about, this, how about this line of sales? This, I'm, I'm going to walk you through the three moves I see all the time. They're just ridiculous. Here's move number one. Here's one. Well, man, so uh, let me tell you what. I mean, are you into time freedom and making more money or are you into keeping that stupid job? It's that <laughs> yeah. ridiculous, like, yeah. dumb. Yeah. I don't know what sales school teaches that, but there's salespeople bad, bad. everywhere. Like that it's, a, that's so a it's, it's where you do that thing where you're trying to get people to agree to obvious, the head nod. That's like old school. That's like hard yeah. selling. Yeah. Boo. Boo. Here's the other one. Here's the one. Where it's it's basically it's the deal where you're using negativity to sell oh, to yeah. sell things. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I you know you like your kids, right? And you're like, well, I do like my kids. So you don't want them having screwed up glasses, right? If you unless you want to end up with some uh, off the shelf goggles, you need to go to doctors, Robert Zellner's and Associates because they got some good glasses. But if you want some goggles, they just pull off the shelf and give you some rando prescriptions. Then you you know then they, they like attack your intelligence. I hate that move. That, I hate that move. Is it's that the same move dirty. as where you go to order something and it's obvious that men and women can order it, but they 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 name the small one the girly portion. You know what I'm saying? So as a man, you feel like oh. you should get the big version. Oh, yeah, get the big aggressive sales. Sales. Oh, you're doing the princess cut? Oh, princess. Oh, yeah. you're doing mm. the princess cut. We got another princess cut over here on Town <laughs> 32. Here's the, here's the other one. It's a ridiculous high pressure move. Like, yeah. I'll tell you what, there's no pressure, but if you don't commit in the next uh, 18 seconds, I, uh, you know, we might sell out. I mean, what we're selling out right now, Randy? What's that, Randy? Randy, okay, hold it. We're you, moving. Do you want us to? Do you want to buy this right now? Because Randy, hold it. You know, hold it. There's that whole pie pressure. So you see oh, that? Yeah. Oh yeah. They're oh, all yeah. dirty moves. They're Stop doing dirty, that. All dirty Stop moves. Stop doing that. If you're doing those moves, take a note. Stop doing those moves, okay? And here's what I found out is that, and one thing in sales that I've, I teach my guys, and they sometimes have a struggle with this, and that is, I say, listen, guys, if they're hard to get. They're going to be hard to lose. Wait, wait a second, man. I'm trying to write this down on a piece of paper, which I don't typically the use. The dude that but... rolls over the first time you come in with a dozen donuts and introduce yourself and says, yeah, I'll send Pet you some cars. Belly. Pet my belly. I'll send you some cars right now. Well, he's going to be sending cars. Whoever comes in, the latest guy, you, you better you better pony up and order. You better put a daylight donut store in his office <laughs> right there because there's <laughs> fresh donuts every moment. The point is that the ones that are really easy to gain, they're somebody else. it's easy for somebody else to, get, to gather them too. And so the, the challenge is the ones that are the challenge because those are the ones, once you get them, then you're going to have them for a long time as long as you don't mess up the deal you know and so th that's the thing about it is and so sometimes i'll come back and say man i've visited this guy a hundred times i've taken him thirty-seven thousand donuts and i still don't have a car from him i'm like well keep at it keep at it keep at it what is he like what's it boom 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 who's your number one draft pick boom. Who, who are you after today boom. what's going on today who boom what makes him click what 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 is he like 
I don't know. Well, that's the problem. You don't know the guy. Get in there, know the guy. You got to uh, talk you, to him. You do sales, kind of like if you're in a, if you're in a marching band and there's someone playing the drums and it's like there's somebody's boom, boom. It's very consistent. Boom, boom. boom. It's like get rejected. Boom. boom. Get rejected Boom. again. You just keep Boom. that drum beat going. And what happens is week after week, you just keep doing it, and eventually you wear the other person down. Because right now, according to The Ultimate Sales Machine, a book written by Chet Holmes, he points out that 3%, if you said, if you make a list of 100, of 100 prospects, 3% of them, and again, this is just from his book and his observation, he said 3% of them are going to get dis displeased with their current provider this month. 3%. He goes, not all of them, but 3%, if you stay consistent, are going to go, you know what? I am ready for a switch. I am ready for a fresh approach. He says 3%, then for whatever reason, they're, they're saying, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. He goes, so any given month, you might have 6% of the people who are ready to do business. So be consistent. Now, move number three. Anytime you make a claim or you deliver a benefit or you explain how you're going to solve a problem for the, for the, for the ideal and likely buyer, anytime you're making a claim, you're saying, my product can do this. My service can do this. You must supply a fact to support everything you're saying. In fact, Jerry Vass, in the book called Soft Selling in a Hard World, he once wrote, don't say anything you can't prove and that you're not proving now. So he's saying, even if you can prove it, so I'm going to give you an example here, uh, Eric Chupp. Let's say I'm trying to sell you insurance for your property. You ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. If I said, Eric Chupp, uh, um, and make, don't, don't mention your current insurance company. I don't want to attack an insurance company, but here we go. So, Eric, who are you currently insured with? Uh, XYS Insurance. Okay, really? So what do you like about those guys? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, they're pretty easy to get a hold of. Uh, you know, if I call and have a question, they get back to me. But other than that, I don't even really know what they do for me. Well, let me ask you this here. If all insurance companies charge the same price, what's the main thing that you're looking for out of an insurance company? Uh, like like I said, maybe 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 I would just like to know actually what you know I'm covered. Maybe send me some updates. Let me know what's actually going on with if it's changing or anything like that. Well, you know, according to USA Today, less than twenty percent of Hurricane Harvey victims had flood insurance, which means that their insurance uh, agent focused on selling price and not making sure they're getting taken care of. You know, you want to have a bad day, not a bad life. Yeah. So if it's okay, I would like to do a deep dive into your home and to look at how much insurance you really need okay. versus what you have, because 80% of the people in Houston weren't insured. And then I would supply for you a fact. I'm going to put it on the show notes, but USA Today did an article that came out on August 29th, 2017, that showed less than 20% of all people who live in Houston had the right amount of insurance. So you might go, well, because Houston has it screwed up, man. Oklahoma, we got to figure it out. No, And one more Oklahoma, when the tornado hit, the stats were almost the same. And it's because insurance agents are always focused on the lowest price, and the experts, insurance experts, are focused on getting you the right coverage. Full coverage. But if I'm making a claim, Z, I have to support it with a fact. And Z, why is it so important that salespeople hold themselves accountable to never saying something they can't prove? Well, what happens is, as soon as you do that, then it comes out that you're not being honest. And when you can't prove it, um, it's almost, is it made up? And if they're making that up, what else are they making up? Mm. You following me? And so then it just leads to whether you trust this person. Because that, I think, is one of the biggest things is insurance is do you trust that person? You know, because a lot of times you get, you get experts in here, and they're all wanting your business, and they say different things, and you're like, oh, my gosh, who do I believe? Who, who do I believe? Who do I trust? And so someone that is using facts 
to back up what they can do, what they're what they are saying. Just like that, just like that was a beautiful thing what you said about twenty percent, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, and you can show them, hey, I, I, I googled it, I binged it, I wahoo, yahooed it. I and whenever you quote a a fact from you give somebody a fact, I would highly recommend that you that you that you quote. I, and in fact, I go beyond recommending. I would say you have to cite a source that people view as credible, and that is the whole. Uh, issue. You can't be quoting some. According to my aunt, aunt Bonnie, my aunt, my aunt Matilda. My aunt Matilda feels like that eighty percent of people aren't insured <laughs> enough. I tell you, I was talking to her the other night, and she was saying, "Do you want some toast?" And I said, "Well, I, I do, but first let's debate flood insurance." She goes, well, "I feel like eighty percent of people aren't insured." I mean, you can't do that. That's not a move. That's not. A, so you got to quote a credible source. Now, Dale Carnegie goes on. He talks about this, and this is just so big. Okay, he says, "I have come to the conclusion that there is only one way under high heaven." To under high heaven to get the best of an argument, and that is to avoid it. Avoid it as you would avoid rattlesnakes and earthquakes. You can't win an argument. You can't because if you lose it, you lose it. But if you win it, you lose it. It's so important that you use facts when selling because if you're dealing with somebody and they're not willing to deal with facts, then that's a, that's a, that's a weird, weird, weird individual. But if you can use facts, then they're not arguing with you. They're arguing with the facts, and you want to focus on facts because facts will allow you to sell your products more effectively. Use facts when selling. If you don't have facts, if you don't have a one sheet of facts to support your claims, get one. Homework tonight. Do it. Make a fact sheet. Do not try to sell something unless you can prove what you're saying. And that's what's so exciting about Dr. Z and his businesses is you've been an optometrist in Tulsa for, this is 26 years, is that right? 26 years? 26 years next month, yeah. And I was also going to say opinions are not facts. Just because you have an opinion about something does not make it, does not make it a fact. And that's why, you know, you can say what you want to say, you can argue with the method, but you can look at the fruit. And for 26 years, Dr. Z has been doing things the right way at Dr. Zellner and Associates. So I encourage you to look into the history and to look at the truth of what we're teaching here today on the, on the Thrive Time Show. My name's Clay Clark. Stay, turn, stay tuned so you can learn more about how to influence and communicate with people. I'm a business coach. Live, local, presenting the world's only business school without the BS with optometrist and entrepreneur Dr. Robert Zellner and USSBA Entrepreneur of the Year, Clay Clark. Get ready to enter the Thrive Time Show on Talk Radio 1170. All right, Thrive Nation, welcome back to the conversation. It is the Thrive Time Show on your radio. My name is Clay Clark. I'm the former USSBA Entrepreneur of the Year and the proud owner of a new thing I call the Seagate. <gasps> the Seagate? Well, New Orleans has a Seagate. It keeps the water out. Yeah. I've been working on the Seagate, and soon, Z, that will go up at Camp Clark and Chicken Palace. It is a glorious gate. It is massive. It's made to keep the waters out. Oh, it's two and a half times. It's two and a half times the height of a of an average six foot man. So it's like a fifteen footer. It is beautiful. Oh Woo. my gosh! Is it does it just spell? When you look at it, you just say to yourself, "There's something really awesome on the other side of that gate." We well, you know where the inspiration came for this. Where's that? Well, you're Rock and Z Ranch. You have this nice little oh, thing yeah, that yeah, goes yeah. over the entrance. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, you know, that that's sharp. You know, that's sharp. And uh, I, I gotta, I gotta have, you know, I don't, I don't have a, a thing where I drive under a thing to see. To, I want, I want to drive not so much under a thing. I want to drive through a thing, and I want the thing to have my, my initials on it. So that's lot, so cool. So you'll know when you're home. You're like, I'm looking for the C, the C, the C. There's this. Well, seed. a lot of times <laughs> it'll take like hours where I'm walking around my house, and yeah. I realize these are my kids. But am I home? 
Where am this I? This is my wife. Yeah. Is this my home? And now it's that validation I need. So I'm excited, Z, to show you the, the Seagate. So it's going to be incredible. Have you completely left the old home, completely out of it? Because I know that for a while you're using it for Wi-Fi, for showering. <laughs> You'd walk in your bathroom across the street because you're literally just right across the street. Well, so that, the, you're completely out of the old home, right? The, the transition has happened, and it looks as though uh, Sharita and O'Neill are going to be buying the property from us. So now... I have wonderful neighbors. Very yeah, and good. I, had to, I had to cut my heartstrings because it was like, can we buy it? And I'm like, I, I just... Could we like say you could buy it in the kind of a mes- metaphysical kind of way? Because I'd still like to own it. You know what yeah. I mean? You're like, no, yeah. we kind of want to just buy it. Like, you know, you actually <laughs> yeah. the transition of ownership takes place. Yeah, yeah, that thing. And yeah. I'm kind of like, yeah. well, okay, okay, so, okay. Which leads us into our next point. Wait, wait before well, we do oh, that yeah, though, yeah, yeah. whoa, time out, time oh, out, time yeah, out. Sorry, I got excited there. Yesterday was a very traumatic show. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh my gosh, it was a very traumatic show. It was traumatic on all of us. You had to do um, during during our taping of our show. You had to do uh, an insurance, a quick insurance test, where they drew blood, yes, and other bodily fluids. It was awful to 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 give you to say you're okay to give this life insurance for, right? Right. right. Okay. It was it was it was very stressful. And and you know you were you were you you walked away from the show for a little bit and you were under stress and you said you didn't sleep the night before. Yeah, I didn't sleep stressing the night about it. It was very stressful. And so, did you sleep last night? How are you doing today? Well, it, it cut down on my ability to cognitively process. Yeah, I can say that my libido was down. I was very stressed out. I was very I just felt like it wasn't myself, you know. And then I gave the blood and I didn't I didn't want I gave the blood. And I was like, you know what? You took that blood from me, but I'm not going to give you my urine. And then so she you, wanted yeah. me to do you drew it the in line, the cup, you drew and the I, line I drew it like mentally. I didn't, yeah. I, don't, I didn't say it, but mentally I'm thinking to myself, I'm not giving my urine. That's my urine. That's my bodily fluid. And I couldn't, I couldn't perform when asked. I, could, I couldn't. I could, they said, could you, could you please urinate in the cup? And I'm thinking to myself. Would it help to fall up skies, got around you and cheered you on or something? Would that well, here's been, what would I did. I went into the, I went into, I called the, cry, <laughs> I, I, I named it after your brother. I called it the cryo med spa. Some people might call it a walk-in fridge. Okay. But I went in there and I had like eight Cups or eight glasses of water. Okay. Nothing. Nothing. The ninth one, I thought. The this, Sahara the, Desert. I thought this might be the feeling that is I typically feel before urinating. Wow. And I went in there and I got it done, and like a champion, I I, I clapped for myself and That's I realized right. I did what it took. And I'm tired of people doubting me. The people in the box that rocks were voting against me that were betting on me. See, I don't think I didn't see you bet. You know, we had a parlay card in here, and we weren't sure if you were going to get back before the show was over because uh, we're like, you know, we saw you walk by the box that rocks a few times, and you didn't. He didn't look very good. We think did you did you fall because we felt bad about not putting a helmet on your head, but then we also knew I didn't fall, but we I, couldn't get a helmet when big you, enough. When you're asked to, you know, go in the cup and you can't do it, you know, because you're just so. Mentally discombobulated, it leaves you feeling like you're like you're not a man. Like you're not a man, yeah. And so I, I went into the bathroom. I, there was a lot of uh, notable quotables on the wall. I wrote in there. Inspirations. I don't have what it takes. <laughs> I just, I just <laughs> Clay no, Clark. I, I don't have what it takes. I just, I just. But I, you got it done. I got it done. And, and, and life's uh, good. You got a good night's rest. You're back to your you're good. back to your old self today. Well, something feels good about giving a, a vial of your urine to someone you don't know. Yeah, that's always Here you comforting. Go. Yeah. Well, and that aspect about you is why you're a successful entrepreneur, Clay. You didn't want to get it done, but what'd you do? I got it done. Fire and desire. What'd you call it? Desire of fire the, or something. The fire the of desire. The hustle. You had the, you had the hustle down in your bladder. Can I give one quick tip? So I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want people to take the stuff we teach and, and, then, and then take some of the, these moves and use them for evil. I encourage you, don't hand a vial of your own urine to somebody. That's not a move. We're talking about yeah. how to influence and communicate pe- with Here yeah. people. Here you go, Z. I got you a present today. Nor, <laughs> nor should you publicly, like on a radio show, nor should you talk about 
giving your blood or lack thereof, and you're into somebody. So this is not; these are not things you yeah, should do in your should own life. Never do this. These are just things we're teaching you by example what not to do. Clay, yeah. what is great in the urine sample this t- today? And we're moving on. <laughs> Page two. Good Page day. Good All right, here we go. So now day. we're moving on here. So how to influence and communicate with people? The combination for uplifting conversation. Move number four. You got a call to action. With passion. Once you built rapport, you found the needs, you've delivered the benefits supported by facts. Now you've got to call them to action. You, you gotta you gotta get something done. But the, the thing is you gotta attack the problem, not the person. So let's let's say you're a dentist and the, the patient needs some dental work. You don't want to say to the patient, Man, I tell you what, your grill is messed up. Let me help you fix that, buddy. Because it doesn't it doesn't come across as a good thing. Even though that may be true, you don't want to say if you're a financial planner. Now that we've determined that your finances are horrible, uh, why don't we go ahead and fix it? You don't want to attack. You see, there's a way to attack the problem without attacking the person. And you're very good. I call this the velvet hammer. But you're able to call the action. You're able to, you know, hit the gavel. Okay, it's time to go. But you don't attack the per- attack the person. Walk me through kind of your rules. If you're if you're a business owner, and you realize, okay, there is a problem, and now we need to solve. We need to take action. How do you prescribe to? Fix the problem if the person in front of you is actually the source of the problem without attacking them. How do you attack the, the, the problem and not the person? Well, several ways. One, by attacking the problem, I mean, by attacking the person, you gain nothing. All you do is cause discomfort. You often get an argument out of it because now people, people get personal about that. They're like, wait a second, I didn't, you're not understanding this. For example, I had a lady come in one time, and she was fussing about her glasses. Oh, my glasses are crazy. I can't even wear them. She came in, and she was not happy. She was not seeing the way she wanted to. She was just unhappy with her glasses. And I listened to her, and I said, you know what? Uh, I'm sorry, and I'm sorry that we did a, a poor job on that. You know, we're really not here in the business of doing anything but other than giving you clear glasses that you can see well out of and that you're happy with. So let, let, me, let, me, let me see those. Hands them to me. And I go over, and I kind of like just you know, prophetically drop them in the trash. I say, you know what? Let's not worry about those. Why don't we use all of our skills, all of our equipment, all of our brain power our to, take all, to, to take the best care of you, to get you the best eye exam today, right now, and then get you the best pair of glasses that you've ever had. Why don't we, let's do that, okay? And what I've done is I said, okay, the problem is she wants glasses she can see out of. And, but I don't want to go back and say, well, who, who made the mistake? Who was it? The doctor? Um, was it the optician? Oh I'll my! Tell where, you what. Where's the? Oh my God! Who's what was just, the doctor? Who was the doctor on duty? Who do I need to throw punch right now? I'm gonna gr- throw punch somebody. Who grinded those lenses? <laughs> I'm, I'm throw punch. Everybody, line up. I'm Get just up throw here. punch you all. And that way, I know I got the right person. Throw punch. Ma'am, today. you want to flog, flog my staff, or do you want me to flog my staff? And she just takes a deep breath and she says, "Oh, yeah, that's that's all I want. I just, yeah, I've got this problem and I need to get it fixed. And so instead of worrying about what happened, hey, let's look forward." What do we need? What do we need done? What what needs to be solved? Let's put our energy in that and not worry about what went wrong and who did it. Now, typically, when you call something to action or you move forward with a solution or you try to sell something or confirm a deal, there's an objection. People have an objection. They have a concern. They have an issue. How do you deal with objections? It's a Thrive Time Show on your radio. Stay tuned. Yes. Just a young gun with a quick fuse. I was uptight. Want to let loose. I was dreaming. Things ain't wanna leave my old life behind. Not a yes, sir, not a follow-up. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Thunder, thunder, thunder.
All right, Thrive Nation, I welcome back song, by to the, the conversation. Yes, it is. That is Lightning Thunder. This song is a great song by the, the group uh, called Imagine Dragons. Awesome, awesome group. I, I love the whole group. Their album is awesome. So. You had us bebopping in here, didn't it? I, I know. The, and the, what's fun about most of their songs, I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> but they're fun. If you've noticed that I actually, with most of the songs we play for our show, I try to try to choose purposeful songs oh, that yeah, actually yeah, yeah. kind of mean something. And mm -hmm. so if you're listening to this show today and you have a song that you'd recommend we play as an intro to one of our shows, just email us, info at thrive15.com. And uh, if you send me the song, uh, The Humpty Hump, I'm going to not play it. But uh, if you have <laughs> a record, every other song is going to shot. Well, because Eric Chephill sent that over a lot. One of our business coaches, he thinks it's funny to kind of suggest the Humpty Hump. You know, he's like, yeah. all these weird, you know, it's like a, you can tell he just made the Yahoo account. It's like, oh, yeah. not the Eric Chupp at Yahoo.com yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> suggests play the Humpty Hump. And I'm like, Eric, come on now, man. We, we know that it's you. He's like, it's, EC, not, it's not me. 82 at right. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Now, Thrive Nation, we're talking today about how to influence and communicate with people. How to influence and communicate with people. The combination for an uplifting conversation. And before we went to the break, we were just talking about the importance of call to action. After you have determined there is a, after you've built the rapport, step one, and you have found the needs, step two, and you have delivered succinct benefits. You've said, this is how we're going to solve the problem. And here's the facts to show that we can do it. The next step is you want to call people to action. With passion. With passion. Now, Dale Carnegie wrote, he says, criticism is dangerous because it wounds a person's precious pride but his sense of importance and arouses resents, resentment. So, Z, how do you call... I'm going to break that down. I'm going to break it down. Break it down. Break it down. Well, here, here's... Okay, here's a problem. I had a doctor that was very slow. Very slow. Was not seeing that many patients. Dr. Sloth. Dr. Slow. Dr. Sloth. It's like you're... <laughs> I'm stuck in molasses. molasses. And so I had a problem. The other doctors were fussing, saying, hey, man, I'm, you know, I'm, telling, you know, I'm seeing twice as many as, you know, Dr. Sloth here in day after day after day, and I just, you know, I'm getting worn, I'm getting worn it problem? out. And so when I sat down with Dr. Sloth and said, listen, uh, here's how I, I approached it. I said, um, I need, I, I, have a, I have a situation here. And they go, oh, well, what's your situation? I said, well, I've got a little bit of a, of a problem here in the office. Oh, well, what's your problem? I said, well, I need you to see more. What do I need to do? Help me help you. What do I need to do what? for you to be able to see more patients in a given day? Now, I didn't criticize. I didn't say, you're not seeing enough. I didn't criticize and say, you're spending too much time in the exam room. I didn't say any of the criticism. I said, hey, help me, help me with this situation I have, this problem. I need to figure out. We need to put our brains together here and figure it out. Because we can figure this out. How to get you to seeing more patients. What do I need to do? What, what, do, what, I, what do, do I need to do? What do I need to do help to help me. you? Help you. Help me help you. Now, what I've done there is I've said I, I didn't criticize them. I didn't attack them. They weren't on the defensive. And then all of a sudden they sit back and go, hmm, well, you know, if I, if I had a scribe, a someone scribe? to follow me and jot down the notes, I didn't have to write because I'm a very slow writer, and that would probably help move me along. And I'm like, Perfect. Did you do that for somebody? Oh, absolutely. We've done scribes off and on. We've done people that now it's now it's more on the computer. They'll be on the the scribe is actually on the computer. You know, Chuck, that's actually back when we had paper charts. Pa paper. Pa you may not. Pa these young millennials. You, you mentioned things like paper. I want to know. I have. I have, a, I have a sincere a question <laughs> that okay. comes comes. Okay. You talk about scribes. I want to know when when you were originally you know launching your optometry clinic. Yes. And you were seeing patients by candlelight. What time would you shut down the shop? I mean, we would get. Well, too well dark. I would I would load two animals onto the ark, and then I'd go back in and do an eye exam. 
Mm. And so this the is... candlelight was very important. We tried to do most of the exams during the day so we didn't have to burn the precious wax. Did you require you know? the employees to churn butter and to see patients by candlelight? Or was it sort of like you, you churn you, butter on your off days? No, like, no, do you, you want good toast? Do we you, want good toast? You, I mean, you, have, you have one hand free, so you can churn butter. That's the thing. I don't know why you're, you seem a little negative about that. I feel like when most of your optometrists would, would inevitably pass away from polio, did you do a group interview every week to replace these people? Or how did you how did you fight to. scurvy and polio? I had to. Well, we 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 passed out limes. Everybody <laughs> had to eat a lime a day because we were not gonna let scurvy take us down. And so you know, we were real big on limes. And no, what it wasn't, it's just 25 years ago. <laughs> I know that I know that predates cell phones. So for most of you guys in the room right now, i.e. the two sitting next to me, you probably don't have a concept <laughs> of what that was like not having a cell phone connected to your uh, head. Yeah. When the young whippersnappers would cruise Memorial in their Conestoga wagons, would you would you reach out to them and kind of wave at them or Yeah, because I could afford a wagon. I'd just be walking. I'd be walking <laughs> Memorial, kicking up dust with every step. Oh all right. Thrive Nation. All right. The next thing we're talking about today is how to isolate objections. Because when you finally do call for action, whether it's being you're trying to help Dr. Sloth go faster, you're trying to help the customer buy from you, you're trying to help. I want to make sure you have the motive right. You are trying to help. The idea is you're trying to help improve things. You're not trying to sell somebody. You're not trying to manipulate someone. You're not trying to take advantage of somebody. You're trying to help them. But when you are trying to help somebody, you're going to run into an objection. Now, the objections you're typically going to run into, if you're dealing with a standard human, they're going to say, I have no time, I have no need, or I have no money. That's the objections for everything. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. You know, I just don't have a big need for it, man. I don't have time. I don't. And so when you have that objection, Eric Chupp, you, you, from a marketing perspective, the Thrive Time Coaching Program, we are so good at generating leads for our clients that the next problem goes from just generating leads. The next problem is how do I get somebody to buy something? Right. So how often do you run into this with a business coach client where they're just struggling to close deals? Almost always. And, and what I've found is that uh, a lot of times it's because they get that first objection that, well, you know, I just don't really have the time right now to set that follow-up appointment or, or I don't have the money right now. That's typically not the real objection, right? Uh, I've heard you talk about this, Clay, the no zone. You've been, uh, you've been cast into the no zone. Preach it. Just like the ozone, if you want to get from space to earth, you've got to get through the no zone to make that sell. So you've got to ask them, you know, hey, well, what do you mean by that? And you just got to keep drilling down until you find out that real objection and then you show them how you can solve it. My wife does this to me all the time, and it works very effectively. And it's because, like, she'll say... Tasers you? Is that what she does? Well, no, this is what she'll do. She'll, like, this, this is what happened. She said, hey, we, I've got tickets to go see the Patriots in Denver. Do you want to go? And my immediate reaction is always no, because <laughs> I hate traveling so much. I'm always immediately like, no. And I know she's doing, but she does a good job at it. Then she'll say, what are your concerns? And I'm like, well, that would require me taking off on Friday. And she's like... But that is something that you could work me through. So if suppose that you were off on Friday and somebody had already planned to take care of your day and you don't have to be there. And, I, and she knows I love working. So for me, it's like I want to be at the office. I enjoy doing it. And she'll say, and suppose I've already done that. And I'm like, oh, oh you've already made the point. But wow. she doesn't like argue with me and say, you're going. You're doing it because what happens is if you try to force feed somebody something, even if it's something they really do want, because once I get to the game, I'll shut up and I'll have a beer and I'll be happy I'm there. But it's always that initial just for me because I'm like ultra alpha and I want to get stuff done. And I always just my immediate reaction to any new variable is no. 
It's just an immediate, no. It's quick for me to go, nope, 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 nope. And so you have to figure out the objections. When we come back, I want to hear Dr. Z, how he would overcome objections, let's say, in the optometry industry, where somebody just has some early objections. When he actually, back in the day, when he used to see every single patient that came in there, I want to hear how he actually overcame objections. See, I'm excited to hear about this. I can hardly wait. You've got to stay tuned because it's going to be fun. We have some fun. This last segment, we have some, can we have some fun? Mm. I tell you what, I agree. I'm, I, I tell you, I, let me find my pants. I'm going to put my pants on, and then we'll start to have some fun. Okay, why do you keep handing me a vial of urine? I'm sorry, I had a leftover one yesterday. I wasn't sure what to do with it. I thought, you know, if you just gave a life insurance exam and you have an extra vial of urine, why not share? Sharing is caring. Stay tuned to the Thrive Time Show. Do you want to learn how to build a successful business? Or do you want to live in a red van down by the river? Excitement about living in a red van down by the river. I think they'd realize they're going to be living right here by the Thrive Time World Headquarters and International Studios of Awesome. Z. There's a lot of people that want to live. They do. They do want to live by the west, the, the left coast, the west coast of the Arkansas River, my friend. It's, 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 a, it's a prized possession. Does it have to be a red van? That's I've been meaning to ask you that because you you've used that intro before, and I always thought, does it have to be? Red. I mean, what could it be? A white van? Well, no. according to uh, Article Seven B on our, uh, um, it's kind of a, um, a an art- articles of organization that I've I've, built, yeah. I've written in my mind. Yeah. According to Article Seven B, um, that uh-huh. it would be against the the, the original bylaws. It would be it would I would oh. have a grievance. There's covenancy. There's you got to abide. Right, and it's just a mental thing I'm working on, and I just Article Seven B is big to me. Yeah, and does it, does it matter that our office is down by the river? Is that a subliminal kind of a cry for help? I mean, are you really, and you're here at the office all the time, so it's like you're living here. So are you really saying, I feel like I'm living down by the river? I feel is that like, what is that what it all wraps around? I feel around? like on a deeper level, that's probably true. <laughs> do we need to, that's probably true. Do we need to have Oprah Chuck, or Dr. What, Phil? Chuck, just hold me. Okay. Do just we have Oprah, that, Dr. Phil? <laughs> come and, come How's and that, Clay? Is that better? There we go. Or Dr. Don't Oz. Stop, stop touching me. We're moving on here to the final step of how to influence and communicate with people. The winning combination for an uplifting conversation. You have to isolate objections and deal with the, quote-unquote, elephants in the room. What happens is you're going to ask the person to take action. You're going to say, so do you want to do debit card or credit card? So do you want to start working at this job on Monday or Tuesday? So do you want to buy these glasses or these contacts? You're, you're going to ultimately have to get yeah, somebody yeah. to take action. Do you want to join the church? Do you not? And when you go for the call to action, you're going to hear three objections over and over and over again. And so we're going to use the example of the optometry clinic back when Z used to see patients each and every day. And people will say, I don't have time. I, I just right now is not a good time to buy the glasses. Or they'll say, I don't have the money. Or they'll say, I just, I really, not right now. You know, I don't have, you know. So walk me through. If somebody said I don't have the time, how would you handle it? Well, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of walk you through some of the super moves that I had back then, okay? And we can kind of break them down into those different oh, categories. Kick- the time, I mean, they're, they're, they're there now, and that's, they, you know, I mean, I care. The nice thing about it is I always had kind of a secret, sub-secret move, and that is prescribing. 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 Oh, it is. A, it is. That's a, you, that's a really you, super you, move. You, you talked in your your pre-testing. You talked about how how glare at night really bothered you. So then I'm going to prescribe you anti-reflective coating. I'm not going to sell it to you. I'm going to prescribe it to you. So oh. that's kind of a secret move in the industry of of optometry mm. and getting doctors to prescribe things that they know are going to. They know the problem. Right. They know how to fix it. 
And so instead of saying, you know, you should really get, they prescribe it. I'm going to try that at the next movie I go to where there's a guy sitting in front of me who's interacting with the movie as though the film is an interactive film. You know, he has a cell phone on and he's saying, look out, watch out. I'm going to say, hey, I prescribe for you, man. Silence. I prescribe for you a big pile of shut up. <laughs> All right, quiet. so you would pre- the prescription move. Yeah, the move. prescription moves is always a move out there in the optometry world or other medical device world. Okay, it's kind of an easy it's a it's an easy move, but it's an accurate move and it's it's a proper move. You know, it's kind of like, hey, you're sick and you need an antibiotic. I'm not going to say, you know, I feel like you should I maybe feel like, man, you should, you should maybe. Uh, I know you may not have the time to take this antibiotic, but you know, I think you, know, you prescribe it. You prescribe man, it, how many f- times they take it, and when they take it, and how they take it, you know? And so, man, I feel like, man, if you just would touch that, that rock, man, of, uh, the, the holistic powers of this crystal will help heal you, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, th- the other thing is try it. And that's another super move that I try always it. did is try it. Someone said, hey, I don't know about contacts, and they're, they're expensive, they're this. And I said, well, I'll give you a, what, a daily, you know, daily disposable. I've, you've never tried them. I mean, I'll give, you, I'll give you a pair to try, a trial pair. Ooh, try it. A trial pair. Try it. Try, try it before you buy it. Hey, if you don't like it, great. If you do, great. You, you know where to come back for more. What about someone who says, I don't have the money? You know, right now, you know, I don't have the money. I mean, I, you know, I want, I want to buy the glasses. The super I don't have the money. move on the money super. in an optometric office is you, pre, you pre-ump that. My staff has taught how to teach people. You know, hey, the thing about it is it's kind of like with glasses. When people have a pair of glasses, you say to themselves, what's the one thing you put on every day? Uh... Do you wear the same pair of shoes? Put on shoes? Do you wear the same clothes? Uh, well, in my case, often, yes. But <laughs> you wear, you know, The one thing you put on is that pair of glasses, mm, right? Every day. And so you want to make sure that they are stylish, that they are well-made, that they are, that they are looking good on you. Right, that they're the latest and the greatest, because that is when people look. People always look at people's face, and those glasses are sitting on your face. And also the idea that you could have multiple pairs. You know, it's kind of like, how? Why do you have different pairs of shoes? This is a this is something I used to ask people all the time. Go, how many pairs of shoes do you have in your closet? Uh, twenty-one. Do you wear tennis shoes to the formal? Uh, no. Do you wear high heels to go run around the track? No. No. In my case, I do. Oh, wait, wait. Well, yeah, you know, but I say, so I don't know why people think that just one set of glasses or one pair of contacts or one of something about something so wonderful as their vision, they think that that's adequate just to get one of, you know, and it's kind of, and then it's always the latest, greatest contacts are always talking about what iPhone do you have? Well, I've got iPhone 27. iPhone 27. It hasn't even come out yet. But it's I have amazing. A subscription to the Apple. future, man. I knew. You know, the thing about it is, is that we always have the latest, greatest of everything. So why wouldn't we have the latest, greatest technology of something you're going to use every single day, i.e. your glasses, your contact lenses? And so then by educating them and letting them see where they're spending their money, because spend, everybody's spending their money somewhere. Mm. They're spending their money somewhere. And what you have to do is you have to try to get in front of that spending line and, and bring some value to the thing that you're selling so that they go, you know what? Ah, you're now in queue. You're now in line. And I'm going to spend some of my money with you. Now, you mentioned something a moment ago that was genius, man. Genius. Genius. Brilliant. This is the thing is you brought up the objection before they did. You pre-trained your team to bring up object- the objection before the person did. I call this addressing the elephant in the room. As an example, um, if I'm doing sales, I would be asking myself rhetorically during my presentation, why would the person I'm speaking to not believe me? Why would they be offended? Why would they not want to? Because you the, don't have your pants on. I need to put on my pants. And <laughs> just, oh, that's crazy. Once I put my pants on, I started selling more things. <laughs> All right, so why would, why would they not be able to complete the action that I assigned them? Why would they not 
Why would they? Why would they wonder why I'm always wearing a hat with the word boom on it? Why would they? You know, and, and so what happens is when you think that way, when you bring up the objection before they do. So as an example, if you worked in an automotive repair shop and you were recommending the person do a massive um, fixing of their vehicle because they have a major problem that could cause their, let's say, a, a crazy example, but it could cause their engine to just stop working if they don't fix it now because they're leaking so much oil and you see it and you go, you know, hey, I filled it up with oil today, but it's leaking so much that we really need to do bada bing, bada boom. Then the customer is going to think, oh, man, that's going to cost a lot. A well, lot. if you're a thoughtful salesperson, you would say, and I bet you're probably thinking to yourself, like, man, that's going to cost a lot. Well, here's the deal. We have a finance plan, so you can pay $300 a month for the next five months and take care of it, or whatever your, your deal is. But you want to deal with the objection before they bring it up. Super move. It's so important that you do that. Now, Dr. Z, we have, for all the thrivers out there, we've worked really hard over the past you know, three, four years to build four tools that all of the thrivers really need to check into. And you know what the thing at the Thrive Nation is? Most of these are free tools. These are tools that can help you. And they're they're free, but the thing is, if you don't um, take action with these items, it's not going to help you. So I'm going to go with the first one. I'm going to get Eric Chupp's take on this. Chupp, we have the podcast. They go to thrivetimeshow.com and they subscribe to the podcast. What kind of uh, things do you hear from our, our, our from the Thrive Nation that they learn on the podcast? Why would anybody with a sound mind want to subscribe to the podcast? Well, a couple things. One is that, uh, like we try to do always, is make the advice actionable, right? We want to make it things that you can actually implement. We're not just building you up here. And we also want to make it fun. Uh, Z, you talk about this all the time. Did you learn something? Did you laugh? Those are the two main things. That's what we want to provide with this podcast. Now, the second thing is we have these in-person workshops. And Dr. Z, you have required education as an optometrist. You've been to many workshops. Many, many events workshops. where you go and yes. you're like, oh mm. my gosh, what's this going to be over? You're like, have a, bring a taser, a gun? trying to taser your inner yeah, thigh yeah, to stay awake yeah. out of respect. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, you have events where, you know, they're going, hey, folks, cocktails will be served at five. And you're like, can we serve it now? I mean, there's just. <laughs> Is it two? Right? Five? You didn't say the time zone? How it's are five our workshops different than other workshops, Dr. Z? Oh, you know what? They're, here's what I love about them is that the people do the two things Eric just said is they learn and they laugh. And, and what's fun, what's funny is, is that when I talk to some of the thrivers that have been to multiple ones, you know, in theory, it's the same stuff. I mean, in theory, it's in a 13 theory. steps. Theoretically. It's two days worth of awesomeness and boom, 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 terrific. And, and yet, every time they've maybe been to multiple ones, they say, you know what, I learned something. I heard something. I didn't hear the first time. And so now they're going, I don't want to miss one because what did I miss this time? Every because time they my, get richer and they better. Get richer. Yeah, and they pull out a little pearl. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And even things like even with Google, with things out there in the world, Facebook, the rules are changing. They are a changing often. Now, Thrive Nation, two other reasons why you want to go to thrivetimeshow.com. You can sign up for a one-on-one -on -one business coaching assessment where an actual business coach will sit down with you to help you identify your biggest limiting factors. And you go to thrivetimeshow.com and you can sign up for the world's most affordable, affordable. and effective business school for a dollar for the first month and then $19 every month thereafter. My name is Clay Clark. I'm a business coach. That's it's Dr. Z. He's an optometrist. That's Eric, Eric Chupp. He is a business coach. And you have been listening to the Thrive Time Show. We look forward to hearing from you in the near future you can always email us info at thrive15.com and as always always three, three two, two one, one boom, boom.